Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're listening to 3CR. We really are in unprecedented times and 3CR, as your local community broadcaster, is trying to do our part to minimise the spread of the coronavirus throughout the community. At the front of our minds is protecting the most marginalised and vulnerable, but we are still here. And we'll continue broadcasting 24 hours a day with radical alternative content throughout this period, but things will sound a bit different. Some programmers will present their shows on the phone and we'll be finding creative ways to bring you our regular programming. So stay tuned, stay safe and be kind to each other. Uh, welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 8325 kilohertz on your AM dial. I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. Hi, I'm Bill, and each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the 12-step programs that assist recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling, and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. For the next hour, my guests will be sharing their journey of recovery from the effects of someone else's alcoholism in the family. I'd like to welcome Diane Yvonne to the show this afternoon. Hi. Hi, Bill. Hello, Bill. Thanks. They're members of Alanon Family Groups and they're going to share their experience and how Alanon has helped them cope with alcoholism in their families. So, um, Yvonne, usually we start talking about growing up and our life in the family and family things that have impacted on your life and sort of affected the way you, you lived your life. So do you want to talk about early life in your family? Oh, okay. Thank you, Bill. Well, growing up in my family um, was a little scary at times. Uh, my father was uh, quite an angry man, and although he wasn't um, physically violent, he, he was verbally quite abusive, and that affected all of us, you know, including my mother and my two siblings. So we sort of grew up um, when Dad wasn't around, everything was peaceful and calm and lovely. And then as soon as Dad got home, a lot of the time, unfortunately, we would all, you know, zoom off to our rooms and wait to be called for dinner. Yeah, and then by the end of the evening, quite often, my parents would have an argument while we were in bed and we would hear all that. So um, as a result of all of that, I think that affected my confidence at growing up you know, and my self-esteem. And I did notice, and I used to go to other people's homes, and a lot of them didn't live the way we lived at home. So that affected me as well. So, um, yeah, it was it was a confusing way of growing up, really. So did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I did. I, had, um, I actually had a half-brother, but he was a lot older than us, and we really didn't have a lot to do with him when we were growing up but I had an older sister and a younger brother. And each of us, we all went through different sort of behaviours. I was the silent child. I, I was just very quiet and watchful of everything. And I did my very best not to upset my father. So I was a very good girl. My sister, on the other hand, was the rebel. She was a few years older than me and she was very rebellious. And my younger brother... Um, well, he always just got into trouble. So I think he was probably quite rebellious too. Yeah. So what about your mum? What was she like? Oh, well, um, my mother was, um, you know, I've often said to people, if it wasn't for my mum, I don't know where we, how we would have coped. Uh, mum was a very loving person. Um, she genuinely was. And as, as I said to you earlier, you know, when it was just mum and myself and my brother and sister, our life was so peaceful at home. We really loved it. Yeah, we, we had absolutely no issues with our mother. Our mother was very kind to us and good to us and did everything she could to make our lives as good as possible. And what, what was her life like? With my father? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, we were an immigrant family, so and it was my father's second marriage, so that was difficult for us. My mother... She didn't have a lot of confidence, actually. 
um, because she was sick when she was a, a little girl and they thought she would die. Well, she didn't die. I think she had meningitis from what everybody, ha you know, the symptoms that they explain. And the doctor said to her dad, uh, right, well, she's going to survive, but she'll never be able to learn. So basically she grew up with that, you know, surrounding her. She, Elizabeth can't learn. Elizabeth won't learn. You know, don't try and make Elizabeth do this, that, go to school. She can't learn. So, you know, she didn't have a lot of confidence. So when she married my father and came to Australia, um, it was difficult for her because dad was, you know, he was quite abusive. He was verbally very abusive and frustrated that he couldn't make ends meet. But one of the reasons I learned as an adult was because he drank. And he drank every night and he drank on the weekend. Yeah. So, you know, we never had any money. I always thought we didn't have any money because my dad was a welder boilermaker, you know, but he worked so hard and he worked overtime and everything. We should have had quite a lot of money, but we never did. And that was basically, you know, a lot of that was dad drinking a lot. Yeah. So did you have a lot of friends or did you find it difficult to make friends given that you had an alcoholic family? Um, well, I was very lucky. Um, no, I had really, my school, my, my primary schooling was really nice. I had, I was able to make friends with people and I really enjoyed those friendships. And my next door neighbour, who was still a friend of mine today, uh, she and I grew up together and we've known each other since we were three. So, you know, I was okay with my friends. But when I grew up, when I, I, I still didn't have a lot of confidence, but I, I managed to have nice friends. So what about relationships? Well, that was difficult. I remember in my early 20s, you know, um, my parents' relationship was really so difficult that I really thought that anyone who got married was all just a lie and, and I pitied them because I thought, well, they're just putting it on, you know, that they're happy and um, they must be really miserable and sad and, and you know, I couldn't understand how, how they would marry at basically a young age. Yeah, because, you know, the example I had with my father, I guess, with my parents was just one of marriage. It was just awful. And, uh, yeah, so um, that affected me in my relationships as well. So were you attracted to alcoholic? I was attracted to dysfunctional men for sure. Yeah, I was. I was. Dis, I was attracted to the dysfunctional. Not that I knew that, and I think a lot of the reason for that was was until I found Elanon. You know, I just didn't have any self esteem, and I didn't really know who I was. So I, I allowed people to manipulate me and talk me into things. I'm not blaming them now. I'm just telling you that was what it was like. You know, I would say no, and they would basically just um, talk over me. And I allowed that. Did you end up getting married? I ended up in relationships, yeah. but not um, in a de facto relationship. Yes. Yeah, okay. That was it. Mm. Right. Okay. Well, listen, we might um, talk to you, Di, and talk to you uh, about your family growing up. So what was it like for you growing up in a, in a family and how many brothers and sisters did you have? Oh, thanks, Bill. I am the eldest um, of the six children, uh, but there were other babies who were born and did not survive as well, and they were all girls except for the last one that was a boy. So being the eldest and being a girl, when my mother did not value girls at all, I grew up and developed a very over-responsible sense of that I needed to be responsible for everyone uh, and that included keeping the peace, being vigilant with watching the mood in the house. I grew up understanding that I needed to be good and not only good in my behaviour but um, doing well at uh, at school and um, uh, I have vivid memories of helping my mother with the housework as well. 
but the mood in the house was very, very unpredictable. There was never a time that I felt relaxed and comfortable. I even do remember when uh, the other kids were laughing and playing around and rolling on the floor. I can remember saying, come on now, settle down. Someone will end up crying. <laughs> so, so that was that was how I grew up. And also understanding that, um, that I remember feeling very cynical and uh, that um, I, everyone thinks my family is so good and so perfect. They don't know what goes on in the house behind closed doors. And I was actually told by my mother, don't you tell anyone what goes on in this house. So uh, there was a lot of conflict because my mother was a deeply insecure person. She had the high ego and the low self-esteem. And I dare not ask her questions. I dare not question her decisions because she would have an outburst of temper and uh, it was very damaging. And um, my father learned not to, not to rock the boat. It was very hard for everyone. Uh, was there alcoholism in, the, in your family or in the extended family? Uh, there was very little drinking in the family home and I didn't understand until uh, I was an adult and in the program that there was uh, alcoholism and uh, also other addictions in both sides of the family. I've only recently, well, in the last several years, learned that um, my father's father was uh, a, a physically violent alcoholic but I, I suspect that uh, the disease went back generations but it was it was very confusing not uh, seeing the the active drinking in the home did you ever know much about your mum's childhood why she was so controlling yes uh, a little from her and also from some of the extended family uh, she had three older brothers and an older sister and um, she was the youngest and she was completely overindulged. She was uh, the classic spoilt child. She learned that all she had to do was have a tantrum when she was told no and she, she told uh, a family member, my brothers used to give me everything. So she learned very early that all she had to do was have a tantrum and she would get her way. But by the same token, she wasn't given any tools. She wasn't given those living skills and she could not make mature decisions, uh, not only for herself, but also for her family. So what, was, what were your relationships like in your teens? Did you have lots of friends? No, I didn't. Um, I would have one friend at a time. I was very, very wary of my mother. I didn't trust her. It was a bit like a war zone. I never knew what it was going to be like when I came home. My father was very quiet and very gentle. Um, I could look at his face and see the loving look in his eyes towards me and uh, his lovely smile but um and he he just tried to keep the peace and he he tried to give my mother whatever she wanted she was very much burdened with a feeling of inferiority if she didn't like where we lived we would move house and if i ever had any friends she would ask where they lived, what the father did. And uh, if she didn't approve, and I don't remember her ever approving, uh, ever, sorry, ever not approving, but uh, I learned very quickly to uh, discern who to be a friend with and who not to. Uh, she, was, she was very, very critical of, it, of everyone. And um, 
that's why I learned that uh, there was a, a very deep hypocrisy with uh, uh, how she lived and the values that she showed and what actually happened in my home. Okay, thank you. Well, so we might take a short break there. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op is open. Get fresh produce and support local farmers and keep our grassroots community thriving through these unusual times. Organic veggie boxes and click and collect now available. Visit www.foefood.org slash click collect to place your orders. Or pop in store at 312 Smith Street and see how we're adapting with our new physical distancing layout. Shop organic and buy local. Made easy at Friends of the Earth. A proud 3CR supporter. Accented women. It seems so obvious to me that if you live in a, in a completely violent um, cultural milieu that it's going to translate into every aspect of women's lives. Accented women. What's a border? They don't see it like a big wall right along the... How the can country? people live ordinary lives when they're living in such an extraordinary situation where there are, two, where there are armies there and terrorists there and such conflict every single day of their lives? Accented women. A show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. Every Monday from 11am on Community Radio 3CR. Uh, you're listening to The Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you're interested in listening to one of our many podcasts, then head to your preferred podcast platform or go online to 3cr.org.au forward slash living free. On our webpage, you'll also find details about The Living Free Show and how you can contact us. Today I'm talking with Diane Yvonne and we're talking about recovery from the family disease of alcoholism with the help of Al-Anon family groups. Um, so Yvonne, um, I think we finished talking and you were mentioning about being in a relationship. So where were you living and how did that relationship change your life? Um, I was living in the Northern Territory yeah. at the time. And we had, um, I, I was in my uh, de facto relationship and we had a small child. You know, things just were not going well. Things were not, our relationship wasn't moving along as I thought and imagined it would be. And I became very sad um, about that. It was really, it was very, very heartbreaking for me because, you know, we had this beautiful, beautiful child and things just, you know, were out of control. Uh, my partner, he, he did binge drink, but <clears throat> there wasn't alcohol around every single day. But his behaviour was something that I found very, very, very hard to live with. And it just, you know, destroyed my confidence even more. So um, anyway, one day I really thought to myself, well, what is it in me that has attracted this person to me? Why am I living the way I'm living? And, you know, I went and saw a um, psychologist and she actually put me onto Al-Anon. And um, it was when I found Al-Anon that slowly but surely everything in my life changed because it was then that I realised that, um, you know, there was alcoholism in my family. Like my dad, I didn't even know my dad was an alcoholic until I was in my 30s when I went to, to um, visit the psychologist and then went to Al-Anon. That's where I learned about alcoholism and the family disease, how it affects family members. Okay, so what, what was it like for you going to your first meeting and, and mm. talking to people about the fact that you were affected and, you know, listening to their stories? How, how did you identify with that? Well, for me, it was a real revelation. I couldn't believe it. I felt great relief and I felt that the people in the meeting understood me and I understood where they were coming from as well. You know, I, I realised I could all these 
thoughts and experiences that I'd had in my life, which I didn't really talk about to my friends uh, outside Elamon because I just didn't, just didn't, you know, face, I just didn't talk about these things. And I'd actually probably buried a lot of it, really. So when I found Elamon, I was, it was just like putting a jigsaw puzzle, a jig, all the pieces together. And I felt Conf a lot I felt relief great relief and slowly it built up my confidence because it allowed me to live more fully out in the world because I knew I had this Al-Anon family and I could go to this Al-Anon family. So how did um, how did understanding how alcoholism works in a family help you to cope with it? Well for, first of all as I said it was just the understanding you know, I could, was just understanding the fact that, hey, yes, you know, you're not deeply flawed. You have been affected by this disease. Like all my family members have been affected by this disease of alcoholism. So, you know, um, as I said to you, that was a great relief. I'm not a flawed person, so to speak, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're all flawed to a degree. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And then it was the Al-Anon program, it's what I learned in Al-Anon, that, that um, changed my attitude to life and changed the way I lived my life. Yeah. Did you become more honest with people that you were dealing with? Yes, most definitely. As I said to you, I never really talked about these type of things that happened to me or alcoholism outside the Al-Anon program and the Al-Anon family um, because I was I really just wanted to enjoy my life and in you know and for my son to enjoy and be happy as well but and the only reason I could do that was because you know I could go to my Al-Anon family and I could speak about these things and we could just discuss various things that had happened in our lives gain an understanding and then use the tools of Al-Anon you know, to improve our lives. So one of the improvements is, yes, of course, to be to be honest in your life. And that's what I am today. However, you know, being honest doesn't mean I can be cruel and unkind to people either. You know, there, there's a way to tell, to talk to people and all of that sort of thing. And that, that's very important too. So what about your relationships with others has that improved have you have you stopped others thinking others were wrong you know which yes, is a, sort of a typical thing to do but um yeah. and expecting them to do stuff that you don't ask them for uh yes my relationship with people has changed has changed immensely really i no longer expect things out of people that i used to beforehand um i sort of I, i've I far more today just accept a person for who and what they are and I don't judge them and I try not to have expectations of them and I sort of live with a lot of gratitude, you know, with people as well. I'm grateful to have good people in my life. I'm just very grateful for that. So, yeah, my, my, my um, relationships have changed a lot, particularly with my extended family too. Because my extended family, of course, have all been affected. I'm the only one in a program. I mean, you know, they're, they're living reasonable lives. Some of them are living really good lives. But my relationship has changed because I no longer expect things out of them. Uh, that's probably the best way to put it. And I just accept, I just accept them. And I know to mind my own business as well, you know, if they get into difficulties or they want to talk about things, I'll listen, but I won't necessarily tell them what to do anymore. Yep. Because I think that's up to them to learn, you know, to do their own thing. Yeah, agreed. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay, well, so I might swap back to you, Di. I think we left you, you're leaving home and you're in a relationship. So how did that go, leaving home and getting away from your mum? That's, uh, that brings back a lot of memories. Um, I left home at um, uh, about 18 and a half and went into uh, a caring profession, uh, studied hard, loved it, and like many adult children, very, very capable at work, but not, in, not so much in relationships. 
I met the person who would become my husband during that time, felt, sort of fell into that relationship. But I know now that he chose me because I was, I was pliable. He, uh, without understanding it, I guess, he related to me um, because there was a lot of alcoholism in his family as well and vice versa. So again, I did what I was told to do. When he said, uh, I uh, do something, I did it. So I always tried to be good and uh, always agreed with him. And I remember even going out to a restaurant for dinner, I would always have uh, the same as him on the menu. And um, because I was uh, too low in self-esteem to know that I could make the right choice for myself, uh, I knew I had to. Uh, I, I just chose the same as him uh, to um, be uh, validated. Yeah, so uh, we we um, rubbed along for uh, quite a few years like that, but uh, I I always in the background there was that difficult relationship with my mother, and it was it was like the cycle of violence. Um, we would have an argument because I wouldn't agree with her; she would react. Um, I would withdraw. Uh, there would be silence for a while and then I would go back looking for a relationship with her again. Uh, occasionally, I, I wasn't living in the same area as them and occasionally I would go to see them and uh, it, it was just always a terribly fractious uh, atmosphere with uh, uh, a lot of fear of an outburst from her because it was she was so unpredictable. Um, did, you, did you seek any help um, to sort of deal with that relationship? Yes, I did. After uh, uh, several years, I did seek some um, counselling. Uh, and I know that um, uh, I had been... I have always been uh, driven to understand why I was feeling so anxious and so sad and also angry. And, and I know that the foundation of that is in grief because all I wanted was a happy, peaceful life and uh, it was anything but. My husband uh, would... Uh, his behaviour was unpredictable and I would be uh, criticised and sometimes given the silent treatment and it was very similar to my mother. So I, not that I could recognise that at the time. It's only as I've uh, come to understand myself and know myself more within the program. So when did you hear about Al-Anon? Um, I actually heard from Al-Anon from, um, from a friend who was a work colleague and she, she asked me to help her find Al-Anon because she said, uh, I've realised my husband is an alcoholic. And uh, so being a good girl, I helped her do that. But, you know, I never forgot that. Um, and that was at least five years before I recognised that... Um, uh, the problem in my life was alcoholism um, because my husband drank. Uh, he drank regularly and he drank a lot. And I knew uh, about the alcoholism in his family, um, not so much in mine. I only found, I've only found out um, in the relatively recent past that um, my father's father was a violent alcoholic. So looking at how damaged the, uh, um, the families were, I'm, I'm sure it goes back generations on both sides. Yeah. So did you ever fear that you would be like your mother in, a, in that sort of relationship? I didn't feel that until I had my first child. 
I was uh, I was overwhelmed with uh, uh, the um, being in love with my baby, but then it was only a, a couple of months, and I started to realise that something was something was wrong. What was wrong? My husband wasn't, um, you know, he was withdrawn. He was um, uh, fractious, and um, later on, uh, I. I understood that um, he was feeling neglected and jealous of, of the attention that the baby was getting. So it was during that very early time that, um, that I realised it came back to me, uh, what I'd heard from my friend all those years before. And um, I, I looked for the program in the town that where I was living and uh, and found it okay well listen uh we might take another short break isolated quarantined need some essentials but can't leave the house or just having a hard time dealing with everything at the moment queer aid nam is a new mutual aid group of organized volunteers we're here we're queer and we've got your back whether or not that's how you identify Nobody should be suffering because capitalism or the state didn't provide what they needed. That's why we're working to strengthen our communities through solidarity. Put in a request for help and we'll match you with a volunteer in your area who can either pick up groceries or other essentials for you, help you run errands, cook meals for you, or check in with how you're going. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, or if you want to join the volunteer list, Find us on QueerAidMelbourne.org or search for us via Facebook, COVID-19 Queer Aid Nam Melbourne. So tell your family and your friends and don't forget your neighbours. That's QueerAidMelbourne.org, a 3CR supporter. From a private life so public As the tabloids caught your tears how sad, how tragic, but it doesn't have to be that way on the Burning Vinyl Alternative Music Program. Burning Vinyl, Fridays, 2 till 4pm on 3CR. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR, digital radio, and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And I'm talking with Diane Yvonne about recovering from the family disease of alcoholism with the help of Al-Anon family groups. Uh, so, Di, coming into Al-Anon, what was it like going to your first meeting and realising that there are other people with the same situation as you? It was completely overwhelming that um, I knew when I went to my first meeting, when I walked in, I, I felt that I was home. However, that was tempered by the, the very deep sense of despair and fear um, that I was filled with uh, because my, well, my immediate fear was for the future with myself and my husband, but the deeper fear was that um, I would turn into my mother uh, with my own child. And um, uh, I've come to look on that desperation as a gift. It was a gift of desperation because that feeling drove me to find a program. It has kept me committed to recovery because I know through those very, very deep, and learned patterns of behaviour that they are always there. But um, being committed to the program and learning um, and being willing to change on a daily basis, I changed so very much. And uh, I have heard one of my daughters say, in an Alateen meeting, uh, I grew up with a lot of love. So you can imagine how I felt when I heard that. Um, and another daughter said to me, just 
a few years ago, she, she said to me, when I left home, I thought everyone was the same as me. I thought they were all brought up the same as me, but uh, I very quickly learned that they're not. And thank you very much for bringing me up so well. So that's what the program has done for me. So how's it changed your relationship with your mum? Well, I had a wonderful uh, 20 or 25 years with her um, and working on accepting her, working on telling her that I love her and it went the best it could um, under those circumstances. There were still a lot of outbursts. There was still um, many times when um, she was abusive and uh, nasty. But I always went back and always worked on the relationship. However, there came a time when she was 88 and living in a nursing home uh, and she was, she was on a walking frame. Uh, she asked me to do something that I was not prepared to do and I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't do it. She went absolutely nuts. Her eyes were standing out on stalks. I was verbally and physically abused again. And that was at the end of that relationship. I made a decision then that I would never be abused and which had caused me a lot of trauma uh, that I'm still dealing with today and still working on today. So sadly, I ended that relationship and we remained estranged when she died uh, uh, about uh, nine months later. Um, my, uh, there were three of my sisters who were there with her when she died. They were the chosen ones that, who were allowed to be with her, that she allowed, uh, but I wasn't. Um, and I accepted that. I did a, um, a very long road trip, a round trip uh, to drive to see her and spend half an hour with her in the uh, funeral home and I'm very, very glad that I did that because I saw her at peace and at rest. And it took me another three years of being willing on a daily basis to accept her and let go of her, the damage that she did to me and um, uh, to let go of that hatred and anger and resentment and it did happen. I had a spiritual experience one day that it, I felt that physical burden lift from my shoulders. Um, and I'm very, very grateful to my high power for that. Have you been able to reconcile with your siblings? Alcoholism tears family apart, families apart. Um, we've been scattered to in four corners of Australia and still are to some extent. It has always been a very distant um, in physical terms and emotional terms. When we get together, it's only for a very short time and it's very rarely. I can uh, contact them at different times, uh, very occasionally through a text message, rarely through a phone call. But um, I'm very grateful that uh, we're all still alive in our uh, 50s and 60s and um, as Yvonne said they have had very successful lives but I understand in the background is the family disease of Al-Anon which is uh, of alcoholism which is untreated and I'm the only one with uh, with the, the the tools of the program that has given me a program for living uh, which is what I was not given when I'm when I grew up, and I'm very very grateful for that. Thank you, um, Yvonne. I'll swap back to you. Um, I think when we were talking earlier, you mentioned you started doing Alanon in the Northern Territory. So, what was it like up there? Oh well, it was um, yes. That's where I found Alanon first when my son was just young. It was when I found Eleanor up in the Northern Territory, it was just uh, wonderful. My, as I think I've mentioned, my whole world just opened up for me. 
you know, I could live a, a, a much better life outside the Al-Anon rooms because I had my Al-Anon family. It just gave me a lot of confidence. Prior to finding Al-Anon, I was really quite sad and desperate, especially for my son, because, you know, I thought he's never going to reach his potential um, with me and his dad the way we were. And I really couldn't understand why we couldn't make a go of it. You know, you know, my sister, my sister married at 16 and she had four children by the time she was 22. And sadly, she's passed on now. But, you know, she, her, her and her husband, well, they stayed together all those years. And yes, as Di said too, there was definitely untreated symptoms of the family disease of alcoholism in their relationship. However, um, you know, they were able to make a you know, reasonable go of their marriage, whereas I just couldn't understand why we couldn't. And, um, yeah, so as I said, when I found Eleanor, I was just so grateful and my whole life opened up and, you know, it was some of the best years of my entire life um, up there once, once I'd found Eleanor. And um, I, I left Eleanor. I, mean, I left the Northern Territory and came back to Melbourne and, unfortunately, I just couldn't connect like I had up there and I let it go however I did have quite a bit of Al-Anon in me so you know I still I strove to make the best of my life and the best and give you know just make the best of everything for my son and myself <clears throat> which wasn't always easy because we were a little bit estranged from the family so it was quite isolating but um yeah, I still, you know, I feel I still had some of Al-Anon in me. However, as time went by, of course, life chipped away at me and by the time my son reached 21, I was quite low again and, you know, I was very, very, um, uh, I suppose I was depressed and, yeah, I was quite depressed and I just thought to myself, when was I the happiest in my life? And I thought, it's when I was with Elnon. That was really the happiest, you know, most understanding time that I had. So I came back. What's it like to come back after that long? Oh, well, well, that long, yeah, it would have been about 10 years, I suppose, 10 years or a little bit more. What was it like? Look, it was good. It was terrific to come back. Uh, although I was pretty shut down when I came back because I'd lost my sister and, you know, my son had been through the, those teenage years, which just about knocked me off my perch because I never expected that. Um, you know, uh, so, yeah, we had a lot of family issues. So I was pretty shut down when I came back and it took me a good couple of years to open up properly, I guess, but just the fact that I'd come back to Al-Anon made me, made me very happy and I knew that if I continued coming, going to meetings, reading the literature, um, you know, my life would improve and it has definitely improved. It's improved out of sight. But it takes time. You know, it's taken time and a lot of that is due to my own attitude, which has completely changed now and I like to try and live a day at a time. That's what we're taught in Eleanor as well. Not to worry about the past, think about the future, you know, uh, but to, to live in the now and enjoy what we can. Yeah. So sort of reflecting back on your mum's life then, do you... Yeah. You know, has that given you sort of some, I guess, courage to, to make your life better? Well, reflecting on my mum's life, that, that's... Really, that just, um, it's just a terrible sadness there for my mother. I guess, um, I really don't know how to answer that, whether or not um, because of her. I don't think so, no. I was just a different person, naturally, to mum. Um, it wasn't because of her that, you know, I've had a better life. I just wanted a better life. I just wanted a good life. Mm. Yeah. So what is it in Al-Anon that's helped you the most? I think 
just about all of it in Al-Anon. It's not just one thing, you know, like going to meetings, Al-Anon meetings and listening to people share about their experience, strength and hope and sometimes their sadness. Um, that's very good because quite often, you know, one can I can relate to uh, different stories. So, again, I know I'm not alone and I know, you know, that I'm not flawed. It's... Um, something that's happened because of this family disease disease of alcoholism um, then there's getting to know the members um, and friendships develop and that's really good too because then you know if you're if you have worries you can pick up the phone and you can call an Al-Anon friend and if they've got time they'll talk to you and that's a great support then there's the literature and the literature is just full of um, wonderful ways of dealing with situations and people's really people's experience strength and hopes and the traditions and steps of of Al-Anon uh, which we we study and learn and all of those things you know help us improve our lives but one of the biggest things for me would be gratitude I am just so much more grateful today in my life, you know, like I'm grateful for the little things. I'm, gr I'm grateful for anything good that comes into my life. I'm just very, very grateful to, to my God, you know, that I'm healthy, that I have a home, I have a wonderful son, I've got a good daughter-in-law coming and they're having a baby. Um, oh, there's just so many things that I'm very grateful for. So if I focus on my gratitude for what I have, and just for the day and the birds and beautiful trees around me, I don't think about what I've missed out on. Okay, thank you. Um, if anybody's interested in contacting Alanon, then you can call them on 1300 252 or you can go online at alanon.org.au. That's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Diane Yvonne for joining me today and sharing their Alanon Family Group's recovery experience with us. Thank you both. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Um, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be talking about recovery from gambling addiction and we'll be joined by a member of Gamblers Anonymous. Thanks for listening to the Living Free program today and stay tuned now for another great show on 3CR Community Radio. Australian music needs your help. Music festivals, concerts and local gigs have been cancelled due to coronavirus. Artists, crew and music workers have lost their jobs and don't know when their next gig will happen. We're all facing the sound of silence, but you can help. Visit thesoundofsilence.com.au now.
Community radio is your antidote to social isolation. Stay connected and listen to 3CR. 855 AM, 3CR digital and streaming and podcasting online at 3cr.org.au.